Best Buy accidentally sells someone a brand new Chromecast, one that hasn't actually been announced to the public yet. The police remove an offensive Halloween decoration that looked a lot like a black man being lynched. And hundreds of migrant children are quietly moved to a tent camp on the Texas border. These stories very big this week as per you, but not quite big enough. In fact, the story on the migrant children, the number the number one Facebook story this week, but Twitter ruled the ruse for all votes this week. We'll talk about all the stories that actually made it into the top 10 in just a moment here on the Weekly Wrap-Up Show from ThisIsAConversation.com. This is for the week ending October the 6th, 2018. And welcome to the show. My name is Jay Coon Payne, your host for this show and the man behind the things that are going on going on at the website. This is a conversation dot com and it's attached social media sites, which are on Twitter, TH underscore conversation and on Facebook. This is the conversation. This was an interesting week and the countdown per you and all the things we're going to talk about are based on your analysis, based on your votes, based on your input. What we do every single week is we post various stories from various news sources that may or may not be headline news. Sometimes they're really silly, small stories, and sometimes they're pretty big things that don't get much love because we're stuck on something on a Chiron on the major head network. And so we post them throughout the days, Monday through Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all hours of the day. And you let us know which ones are the biggest ones by your response. Now, we'll have a lot of housekeeping to get to today with the way things rolled out. A lot of top heavy that is early in the week things that popping in there. And Twitter was the big dog for the week as Twitter ruled the roost. As we said in the tease, the top story for Facebook was in the middle 15 or the not quite 10 there. Uh, so we'll talk about how that happened. How we think it happened. It was also a relatively light week of posting after getting back to the swing of things doing this. Restarting this about maybe a month ago, about four or five weeks ago, we only posted 98 specific stories. A lot of things we posted were basically us hyping ourselves up this week. Uh, so 98 different actual stories to do and no super stories to post for this week. But we'll talk about a lot of that stuff in the housekeeping section in the second section. We'll also go through the uh, rounding out the top 15. That'll be 11 through 15 stories not quite in there, explaining a bit about them. And, of course, the almost relevant story, which we already told you, is number 98 for this week. Now let's start with number 10 telling you the stories that did mean the most for you throughout the week for this week that we're ending on October the 6th, 2018. And that story we get from the BBC on this week. We have the headline, HIV AIDS, China reports 14% surge in new cases, posted on Saturday, September the 29th. Let's get to you a little bit from the BBC story that we pulled it from. China has announced a 14% jump in the number of its citizens who are living with HIV and AIDS. More than 820,000 people are affected in the country, health officials say. About 40,000 new cases were reported in the second quarter of 2018 alone. The vast majority of new cases were transmitted through sex, making a change from the past. Traditionally, HIV spread rapidly through some parts of China as a result of infected blood transfusions. But the number of people contracting HIV in this way has been reduced to almost zero, Chinese health officials said in a conference in Yunnan province. Year on year, however, the number of those living with HIV and AIDS in China has risen by 100,000 people. Now, we know about AIDS. We've had a, a pretty big thing here in the States for it. And now that we're in sort of a 
remission, if you will, for lack of my knowledge of a good term to it, a remission in the, the cases and severity of it. We have drugs and we have more knowledge about it. We know how to affect it, how to effectively live with it at this case. We can't really cure it. Uh, there's not a lot of reports about it, except in mostly uh, third world countries, countries who don't have the same amount of money and medicines as we do here in the States. China is not exactly a third world country, although China itself operates as if it's several different countries. But this is not the way they're dealing with it. As I said, it was bad blood transfusions, and that's a lack of knowledge. What's happening now is a mass transmission through sex. Uh, That's an issue that's evolving the Chinese LGBT community, which, believe it or not, there is a Chinese LGBT community. Uh, although homosexuality was decriminalized in 1997, uh, still very much discriminated against. So there is that thing going on, and that thing apparently is where the rise in the community, where essentially we found out about and saw the rise of AIDS, which happened here in the States way back in the 80s. Moving on to the number nine story this week, and that story gets a bump of response of 5.88% from the 10 story. The headline we have is Elon Musk agrees to resign as Tesla chairman in settlement with SEC, posted also on Saturday, September 29th. TechCrunch is where we found the story, but it was everywhere because this was a big deal money-wise and tech-wise. A few lines from TechCrunch. Tesla CEO Elon Musk will step down as chairman of the electric automaker and pay a $20 million fine under a settlement reached with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Musk will remain CEO and will still keep a seat on the board, just not as chairman. The agreement settles what could have turned into a bitter and potentially damaging fight for Musk, the company, and Tesla shareholders. Musk will resign from his role as chairman of the Tesla board within 45 days of the agreement, which was filed Saturday. He has agreed to not seek re-election or accept an appointment as chairman for three years. An independent chairman will be appointed under the settlement agreement. Tesla will pay a separate $20 million penalty, according to the SEC. The SEC said the charge and fine against Tesla is for failing to require disclosure controls and procedures relating to Musk's tweet. Musk doesn't have to admit or deny the SEC's allegations as part of the agreement. Now, what's the big deal on this? Well, a few weeks back... Elon Musk, in one of his fits of fits, uh, put out a tweet about taking Tesla private because he could do that. That's not necessarily that he couldn't do that, but he basically said he had everything he needed to do to take Tesla private. And because that's essentially insider information sent to the outside world, a lot of people traded on those deals. So some people made a little extra money based on what was the possibility of going private. Some people lost some money because they couldn't get into the market fast enough. And that's a no-no, causing ripples into the markets for your own company for gain or loss. Some people do want want loss, by the way, is an issue. And Elon Musk, he may be, uh, I I don't know them personally, sounds like an arrogant prick to me, but uh, he doesn't have complete control of this one, and he didn't get away with this one. He gets away with a lot of other things. And, of course, there was the the talk about him smoking weed on the Joe Rogan podcast a few weeks ago. That's nothing compared to this. This is dealing with real people and real money, and that's what happened here. Let's move on to another story that is a bit disturbing, actually a lot disturbing. Here's the headline we have. Florence, South Carolina, shooting. Five officers shot, sheriff officer says. This came to us on Wednesday, October the 3rd. Uh, we got this one off of CNN. We're going to read you a few lines from the story, which I believe was updated a few hours ago. 
Seven law enforcement officers were shot, one fatally, during a standoff Wednesday in Florence, South Carolina, City Police Chief Alan Hinder said. Florence County Sheriff's deputies were executing a search warrant when a man opened fire, said Major Mike Nunn, a spokesman for the sheriff's office. The man then barricaded himself in the home with children during the two-hour standoff, Nunn said. Other officers were shot as they responded to assist their fellow officers, authorities said. These officers went there unknowing the firepower that the suspect had. They thought it was a random search warrant, Florence County Sheriff Kenny Boone said. He said the suspect was in custody. Boone said fire was being shot all over. The way the suspect was positioned, his view of fire was several hundred yards, so he had the advantage. Three Florence officers and three deputies were wounded in the standoff. Heater said their conditions were not immediately known. And, of course, the rest of the article goes on to name the deceased in the incident. Uh, more of these things are happening, and there's not really much commentary I can give on this other than the fact that it is sad uh, that there's so many lives being lost in these sort of standoffs. We're not sure from the story here what the deeper details was going on in the issue. Like we said, the police thought it was just a warrant, serving a warrant and was going to just step in and walk away. That's not exactly what happened. Our thoughts and prayers go out to all the families and all the sheriff's deputies and all the people responding to that in that incident. Very, very, very sad incident. But it was one of the bigger ones for the week. Now, a story that's much, much lighter and one that I didn't think I was going to make it in there. As we said, the Twitter basically kept things alive and a lot of activity on Twitter. The number seven story for the week, it's a bumper response of 3.24 from the number eight story. The headline is, Escape Pup Rings Nest Doorbell to Get Back Inside. Friday, September 28th is the date on that one. A few lines from the Gizmodo article we had on this one, although this one picked up a lot of pace and was on a lot of the TV shows over the weekend. A good boy recently spent a regrettable evening on his front porch thinking about what he'd done. A Texas ABC affiliate reported that Marshall the dog escaped his home in Spokane, Washington on September 25th. He then pawed at the Nest doorbell camera trying to get back in. Greg Basil, Marshall's guardian, uploaded a video of his concerned golden retriever. After a few paw pounds on the door, someone thankfully let Marshall back in. Uh, the story is a, uh, it might be a lighter story, but it's one that caught a lot of big attention across the internet. And with some of the heavier stories we will report on today, this is one that you'll be thankful we dropped in here. When it came through, I was, like I said, I didn't think it was going to make it, but it picked up some surge uh, late in the weekend. And now it is here, taking a pretty hefty chunk of the spot right here at the seventh spot. Moving to the sixth story, Utah ordered to pay nearly $500,000 in Deadpool case. Friday, September 28th on that one as well. Bump in response of 1.57% from the seventh story. A bit of the lines from this story, we're going to go to uh, comic book news, comicbook.com, and tell you what they had on this one. Originally from the Salt Lake Tribune, get you that in a second. After losing a legal battle against a movie theater chain that was selling alcohol in screening Deadpool, the state of Utah must now pay half a million dollars in legal fees. The Salt Lake Tribune reports that the state is on the hook for $474,455.22 to attorney Rocky Anderson, who defended the local theater chain Groovy Cinema Pub in a case stemming back to the 2016 release of Deadpool. The case began when Utah's Department of Alcohol and Beverage Control threatened to fine breweries up to $25,000 and temporarily rescind the venue's liquor license because it was screening Deadpool. 
Brewies, like many movie theaters nowadays, serves alcohol for its screenings. The issues came because Utah state law bans serving alcohol during films with full frontal nudity or simulated sex acts. Brewies filed a lawsuit against the state and won last August. The latest ruling puts the state on the hook for the substantial legal fees from Brewies' representation. So there you go. Um, pretty simple. Utah is Utah, and because it is what it is, and it has a law that says you can't serve booze and show full frontal nudity, which which was pretty much all Deadpool was, they're all now on the hook for half a million dollars. Let's move on to the next story for this week. It is the story from the fifth spot. Jefferson Airplane co-founder and guitarist Marty Ballin dies at age 76. Friday, September 28th, when we posted this one as well, 0.52%, very slight bump from the number six story. Quick read on this one. Jefferson Airplane vocalist, guitarist Marty Ballin, who co-founded the San Francisco psychedelic rock band in 1965 and played a crucial role in creation of all their 1960s albums, including Surrealistic Pillow and Volunteers, died Thursday at the age of 76. Ballin's rep confirmed the musician's death to Rolling Stone, though the cause of death has currently been currently unknown. Sorry for the butchering of that. But yes, Rolling Stone is where we pulled this from. Big story for you um, classic rockers who like Axel classic rock, um, not 80s and early 90s rock, which apparently now is on the classic rock rosters. But Jesse Airplane co-founder, now dead at age 76, Marty Balling. Moving on to another lighter story, although some people were a bit offended of the offense. Here's the headline. Fortnite fixes female characters' unintended embarrassing breast bounces. Friday, September 28th on that one as well. Another slight bounce, 0.5% from the five story. Uh, let's read a few lines and explain a little bit of the kind of the hubbub on the hubbub. The latest update to the wildly popular online game Fortnite had one blatantly obvious feature. New female character Calamity had a prominent bounce in her upper body. The issue, shown when the cowgirl avatar does the jubilation dance, was unintended, embarrassing, and it was careless for us to let it slip. That's a quote from developer Epic Games, said in a statement to video game news site Kotaku.com. Quote, we are working now to fix this as soon as possible, unquote. So the actual fix to the game is in. The physics have been changed, and yes, we are blaming physics. And it's what the problem really is. The mechanics, game mechanics in the code puts a level of physics... You know, the reality that keeps us chained to the floor when the whole gravity thing, it manages things in the game as well. Although physics aren't necessarily one for one because obviously people can't necessarily fly, do flips and do all the weird things they do in video games. The game physics allows different characters and different people, different things to do different things based on the physics. And some programming error allowed the physics of the body of Calamity to be a bit jiggly when she did her jubilation dance. Now, the real issue is, you know, A, it got away. How to get away? Maybe the guys thought it was cute and just didn't pay attention to it. Maybe someone thought it was just people would get onto it. And that's what happened. There are various people who, of course, are glad it got fixed. You can hear various stories about video game physics or, more importantly, video game physiques, how the women tend to be a bit more endowed than they probably are in real life, how dudes are really stout and they don't complain about it. But uh, a lot of uh, complaints because some people kind of got into it. In fact, there's a lot of female players who thought they were in on the joke by playing that character because of the jiggling from the dance. However, because we live in a world that we live in, and at some point in time, common sense 
usually does, rail in on things. We're back to normal physics, more or less, for no more dance in a video game character. Yes, we are going there today because that's one of the stories you wanted to go to. Another story you want to go to, dinosaurs, always huge, and a huge new dinosaur species discovered in Africa. Friday, September 28th, on that one, another short bump in response of 0.5%. So those were very tight on the numbers that raised from 1 to 2 to 3, or in this case, uh, six to, or 5 to 6 to 4 to 3, somewhere in there. Let's give you a bit of the story. We pulled this one also from USA Today. Uh, a few lines from it. Fossils of a new giant species of dinosaur have been discovered in South Africa, a study published Thursday reports. The creature, which lived some 200 million years ago, was about twice the size of a modern-day African elephant. It was also the largest land animal alive on the planet at the time, according to the study. Known by the scientific name, which I'm not even going to go with, it weighed over 26,000 pounds and stood about 13 feet high at its hips. No, I'm not going to try to pronounce it. Although it isn't the biggest dinosaur ever found, it's, quote, the first true giant that evolved in the long line of dinosaurs called sauropod dinosaurs, said a study co-authored by Jonah Choney, a paleontologist at the University of Witwatersrand, in a statement. That is a university in South Africa, so it's not like Notre Dame, and I can't pronounce it there. So if you're a big lover of the dinosaurs, most of us are. Dinosaurs have got kind of kind of awesome, to be honest. Uh, we found a new dinosaur, something new to talk about and think about in the turmoil we're having with all of our weird politics stuff here. Uh, we'll get more details on the dinosaur when it goes on. Uh, one thing noted later in the article that this animal that they found was about 14 years old when it died. How they know that, I have no idea. Uh, that's why they're scientists and I'm reading news to you on a podcast. So there you go. One of us had better life lessons, life decisions, uh, lead us to a better path of things. I'm sure that guy did. Like I said, I'm reading you news articles on a podcast. Number two story for this week, another heavy one, unfortunately. Tsunami hits Indonesia, Palu, after strong earthquake. BBC is where we got this article in particular. It gets a bump, a response of 35.03% from the three. It is posted, or was posted, his one, September the 28th. That's also on Friday. A few lines from the story there. As we said, we got it from the BBC. More than 380 people have been confirmed dead after a tsunami triggered by a magnitude 7.5 earthquake hit an Indonesia city on Friday. Waves up to 3 meters, 10 feet high, swept through Palu on Sulawesi Island. Video on social media shows people screaming and fleeing in panic and a mosque among buildings damaged. Strong aftershocks rocked the city on Saturday. Thousands of homes have collapsed along with hospitals, hotels, and a shopping center. Rescue efforts are underway, though hampered by a major power cut. The main road to Palu has been blocked due to a landslide and a key bridge is out of action. These numbers uh, increased dramatically for this actual incident. A lot of time was spent over the weekend with people trying to travel through Indonesia to get from one place to another to get aid through and give reporting in. But there were a lot of issues with uh, power being out, tree lines being down, roads being washed out, and, of course, the landslides, the massive landslides from a tsunami after a pretty big earthquake. Our thoughts, prayers, and hopes are going out to this, these people, uh, the people of Indonesia and all the folks working to get them back to normal 
as quickly as possible, although this is one that I'm not sure normality will be back anytime soon. And the same goes for our number one story this week, a very, very heavy story. Let me give you some of the stats on it first. Number one, it gets a bumper response from the two story of 4.51%. A bumper response from the number 10 story, that of course was the AIDS in China going up. That was 63.53% more engagement than that one. And our number 98 story, which was the almost relevant story of the week, we only got 98 stories in, but it was still 26 or 2,680% more engagement, 2,600% more engagement than the number 98 story for the one. The headline, LSU basketball player Wade Sims, 20, dies of gunshot wound. We got this story also from USA Today. Let me read you some lines from the story, which has been updated slightly since it was originally published. An LSU basketball player was shot and killed early Friday morning. Wade Simmons, a junior forward and Baton Rouge native, was taken to a hospital with an apparent gunshot wound shortly after midnight and later died due to his injury. According to a news release from the Baton Rouge Police Department, he was 20 years old. Police say the shooting occurred at approximately 12.25 a.m. on a street just south of Southern University, which is located north of downtown Baton Rouge, near a turn in the Mississippi River. The investigation, which is ongoing, classifies Sims' death as a homicide. LSU basketball coach Will Wade said in a news conference that he, quote, got the call that you never want to get, unquote, early Friday morning and rushed to the hospital where he was informed of Sims' death. He relayed the news to his team at 6.30 a.m. when the Tigers had previously scheduled a workout. So there's still some back and forth on the details of the the shooting and what's going on. So we're not going to go into that one. Uh, These things happen, unfortunately. And, of course, these things happen in ways that get really complicated and really, really, just really weird in some cases. The story we have here goes on to talk about the things in his life, his his, his family, his upbringing, his, his stats as a player in high school and in college. This is the things you do when you when you announce these sort of things. There's more to the story, and we know it. This happened, of course, last weekend. So there have been trickling of bits and bits and pieces here and there. I'm sure fairly soon the school will announce something because the school will have to know what's going on, even though it happened off campus in another school, so on campus someplace else. The Southern University will probably want to have something to do with what's going on because it's a big deal that a basketball player from another school gets killed miles away from its own campus. We'll see how that plays out. But now we've seen how things have played out for this week's top 10 stories, and they play out this way more or less all the time because you help us do that, and it's simple. You just go to your Facebook or your Twitter, and you follow us. And when the stories we post out come into your feed, you engage with them if you like them. And if you don't like them, Engage anyway because we love engagement. You just like, love, share, respond, do whatever you want to do to it on basically whatever platform you want. And the more engagement that we get on a story, the higher it goes. This week's, it was all about the Twitter, lots of Twitter engagement, and we'll talk about about it. Not sure why or how it happened, but we'll you know we'll say something hopefully intelligent that maybe you'll buy coming up after the break when we go into our housekeeping segment. Also, we'll talk about number 98 this week, the almost relevant story, and we will also get into rounding out the top 15. Now, the number 98 story, another one that I'm glad I got to put in there. It was a very late edition coming in this morning. 
as it often is, but I was pretty sure it wasn't going to make it into the countdown. I was hoping it would gain steam to stick around for next week. Now we can talk about it here. Plus, shout-outs, of course. Coming in just a minute here from the weekly wrap-up show, this is from thisisaconversation.com for the week ending October the 6th, 2018. This is the part where I tout the joys of working with Cloud9 Living for your excursion experience, but I no longer have to tout them because I have other people's words to tout for me. Let me read a few more of the newer responses from Trustpilot and some of the great experiences. This is from Sherry with a five-star experience. Cloud9 was awesome to deal with. I actually sent a certificate to the wrong address, and one fall call was all it took to get it right. Uh, this is from Margaret, another five-star one, saying, I bought a couple of the packages and was more than satisfied. The rep that I had took a lot of time to help me since I didn't have a computer to print out the voucher. They were kind enough to mail it to my address as a wedding gift for friends. Thank you so much. This guy, Josh Smith, had a Ferrari 488 drive that didn't quite work out so well for the extreme experience he bought from Cloud9, but he's going to update his review, which is still five stars, because the crew that helped them get their excursion is helping him fix whatever was wrong with the excursion. So he's going to re-review it once he actually gets a chance to drive that Ferrari. Unfortunate events probably kept it from happening, but trust me, they want you to have your experience, and we want you to deal with them because they are awesome. They are overall four-star from Trustpilot, and they have so many great things for you to do via Cloud9 Living in so many great places. Some of the great cities you can visit are Vegas, Salt Lake City, Cleveland, uh, Charlotte, Miami, Nashville, Minneapolis, of course, New York, Boston, Dallas, places like that, with some of the greatest, weirdest, oddest, and amazingest excursions. You can take an awesome date night, take a nice adventure cruise. You can go white water river rafting for some odd reason. You can drive one of those fast Ferraris for whatever reason you want to. And if something goes wrong, trust me, the crew at Cloud9 Living will do what they can to fix your excursion. Go to our website for an extra deal for your gift cards. You get an extra 10% off when you buy a gift card through us at thisistheconversation.com slash cloud9. That's C-L-O-U-D number nine. This is the conversation.com slash cloud nine. You get an extra deal on your already great price for a gift card for Cloud9 Living, which, as you can say, you can send it to someone else for a gift or you can use it for yourself and keep it in your pocket for whenever you're ready for that excursion. Cloud9 Living will take good care of you. Trust me, they do. They took care of me and my family for our great excursion. Wife drove a fast car. I'd had to be nowhere nearby. They can take care of you for whatever you're looking for from Cloud9 Living. Hi, I'm Jay Batts. And I'm Michael. And we're the hosts of a very thought-provoking show called The What If Podcast. On it, we'll explore the big and little what-ifs of life and steer our listeners toward a better understanding of the real or hypothetical situations we might find ourselves in. Or not. On our journey, we'll learn interesting facts and fictions about the everyday world. And sometimes, most of the times, we'll dive headlong into rabbit holes that slide up against the subject and sharply turn away from it. Come along with us. We'll have fun and learn something new together. New episodes release every other Tuesday. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, and anywhere fine podcasts are archived.
because Twitter was all on it for responses this week. We're going to start off with Twitter for our shout-outs for this week ending show. Two Smokes Podcast in on it, Chris Baroli as well. Uh, CS Stereo, or just A per se, as they are there. The Real Bar Talk Podcast, Mike. I guess that's how it is. I should read that a little better. Uh, creating articles for accountants popped in as well, as along with um, shout-outs to myself and my Ask Yourself This website, which apparently responded to something as well. There you go. Let's go to some of the Facebook uh, responses, the people who popped in and gave us a little bit of love on Facebook. Usual suspects, including Maldonado Slim, all over the place. Dominic Malpalenga is in there. Ursman Susan, Antoinette Ross popped in this week as well. Marsha Hopkins, Kate Barnett, and that's another usual suspect. Uh, plenty of folks getting in plenty of comments for this past week. And you can get your names in a shout-out by simply doing something worth it responding to a, a shout out responding to a story on facebook and twitter uh responses usually come in there shares are also great that lets us know who's out there helping us join the movement even though it was a short movement for this week only 98 stories and that got to be an issue of my schedule i guess i was sort of over hyping stuff uh for the past couple of weeks after getting into it that this week it became a slowdown and i didn't send out as many and got a little busy with some other things going on to be honest so it was kind of a trying week if you will, getting things done. So this project didn't get as much love as normal, but you did pop into it. Now, the Facebook story being so low is something we're not quite exactly sure of. It just was a matter of the stories as they came through. We had less stories in the middle of the week or actually past um, past Monday. The one big story popping in top 10 was on Wednesday. Most of them were Friday and Saturday. We believe there might have been an issue with Twitter responses when we pulled them a couple times a week, especially before we got into the countdown doing all the math for the this thing here. So sometimes the numbers are kind of off for various social media platforms. We believe there were at least more Twitter responses to be shown that would have mixed up the ones that were in the top 10 a little, a little better. Uh, we're not sure exactly why things were down on Facebook. It just seemed to be a down week on Facebook. We had more responses and more people joining in on the Facebook love, uh, but we had less love, if you will, in, in pure responses. That's why one of the top the or the top story for Facebook we're going to talk about in the moment in the top fifteen, one through five, eleven through fifteen, as opposed to the top ten. It's just the way it came out this week. A whole lot of Twitter response to all the other things going on, and a lot of it was very. Very early. Don't think anything was necessarily weighed in high. It just turned out that's the way it was going to be. Now, let's go ahead and get into uh, wrapping things up by going into the almost relevant story for the week. This story, number 98 for the week, is one that I didn't think we were going to get a chance to talk to. And I saw it this morning, so I was hoping that it would make some love and last the weekend and last throughout the week. doesn't have to because it's almost relevant enough to be in the story here. And this is kind of cool. Here's the headline that we have. It is, Girl, 8 pulls 1,500-year-old sword from Lake in Sweden. Uh, we're going to read a little bit from the BBC again. An 8-year-old found a pre-Viking era sword while swimming in a lake in Sweden during the summer. Sarah Velnikek found the relic in the Videostern Lake while her family, while at her family's holiday home in Jonkopik County. The sword was initially reported to be 1,000 years old, but experts at the local museum now believe it may date back to around 1,500 years ago. The level of the lake was extremely low at the time, owing to a drought, which is probably why Saga uncovered the ancient weapon. 
Saga's family, Andy Vanacek, told the English language website, the local, he initially thought his daughter had found an unusual stick or branch in the water. It was only after he asked a friend to take a closer look that he discovered that it was likely to be an ancient relic. So that's a pretty big find out there just wandering through a lake. I'm sure Vladimir Putin would have found the actual Viking ship because that's what he does. But this is pretty good for an 8-year-old girl from Sweden. Congratulations on that big find. Maybe she has um, Laura Croft archaeology chops in her future. Let's roll out the final 15, 11 through 15, the ones not quite large enough to get into the top 10. First headline at 11, giant iPhone tombstone placed over grave at 25-year-old woman. Now, this we thought was a hoax, but we found plenty of we found plenty of evidence that it was a real story. And the headline we have is from today's FM, a radio station somewhere. Uh, we're not sure exactly where it came through, but that's where the story we actually posted. Uh, so here's what we have. A giant iPhone headstone has been spotted over the grave of a 25-year-old woman. Full-length photograph of the woman features in the front of the phone tombstone which also has an Apple logo, a home button, and a camera. The tomb belongs to a woman uh, who died in 2016. Her name is Rita Shamiva, um, and she has a very unique tombstone that all of a sudden the world is seeing a very good look at. It literally looks like a big, giant iPhone with the logo and everything and a black and white picture, uh, I guess, engraved in or, or somehow image onto the front of the phone. It's a very unique thing, a very unique story, and it definitely um, caught a lot of people's attention this week. Number 12, Best Buy accidentally sells customer the new unannounced Chromecast. Uh, we got this off The Verge, and here is some details from that story. Basically, a guy just went to the store to buy a new Chromecast for himself, and he pulled off one that looked like uh, the newer ones that were planned, hadn't quite been announced yet for the upcoming Pixel event, which is happening a few days from now, in fact, next week. Uh, but he pulled it off the shelf, took it up, and the guy rang it up as an old Chromecast and sold it to him, just like that. Uh, he, of course, because this is not the world where you just you take a, live on your laurels and be a great person, he went up and put it on the Internet, put it on Reddit about the whole ordeal. And so now people are, of course, laughing at the cashier at Best Buy and at Google for having their stock out of place, literally have their stock in place ahead of time before the big sale. Obviously, on October the 9th, when this thing happens, they'll be right there on the shelf as new hardware. They weren't supposed to be on the shelf to be bought on September 29th. Let's move on to the next story in the not-quite-there section. Many an office is going to get into the spirit for Halloween, but this police office uh, did it a bit the wrong way. Or at least had good, I, don't, I can't even say they had good intentions. Police remove offensive Halloween decoration resembling lynched black man. We got this on Friday, September 28th. It was, yeah, it, it's, it's a pretty much as bad as it sounds. Let's give you a couple lines from the story. We pulled this off USA Today. Police in Lansing, Illinois, removed a Halloween decoration that appeared to depict a black man being lynched after photos of display sparked social media backlash. Toya Griffin said her daughter first spotted the figure, a black mannequin hanging from a tree with his hands and ankles tied while they were talking on the phone, according to the Times of Northwest Indiana. It's a shocking feeling to see something like that. It represents a feeling. It represents a belief. It represents a harsh time in history that affected everybody, Griffin told the Times. If you see something like that, it brings a fear and brings emotions. 
Griffin said in a Facebook post Wednesday that she notified police, who initially told her they didn't see anything wrong to display. Because they don't. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, that, of course, turned into uh, people seeing the, the post on social media. That turned into an actual backlash of people actually complaining about it. So, eventually, the police station relinquished and took down the decoration. This happens way too often. Every year or the year or so, there's always some big national thing on someone with Halloween decorations that's some sort of lynching. And it always, instead of just being some random figure, which is bad enough, it seems to look like some black person is being lynched, literally setting it up that way. Why people can't think that might be possibly offensive, I don't quite understand. Next story, it was 14 for the week. Hundreds of migrant children quietly moved to a tent camp on the Texas border. Sunday, September 30th was the day this was posted as well. A few lines from that story that we got off the New York Times. In shelters from Kansas to New York, hundreds of migrant children have been roused in the middle of the night in recent weeks and loaded onto buses with backpacks and snacks for a cross-country journey to their new home, a barren tent city in a sprawling patch of desert in West Texas. Until now, most undocumented children were being held at federal immigration authorities had been housed in private foster homes or shelters, sleeping two or three to a room. They received formal schooling and regular visits with legal representation assigned to their immigration cases. But in the rows of sand-colored tents in Torino, Texas, children in groups of 20, separated by gender, sleep lined up in bunks. There is no school. The children are given workbooks that have no obligations to complete. Access to legal services are limited. The midnight voyages are playing out across the country as the federal government struggles to find room for more than 13,000 detained immigrant, migrant children, the largest population ever, whose number have increased more than fivefold since last year. Of course, this is a big domino after a domino after a domino. This came about from the issue where uh, anyone coming to cross the border was being arrested and children were being separated from the parents initially, sent to foster care, uh, initially separated, and then a lot of these parents were sent back, a lot of these parents were, were had issues, and now they're having troubles getting the parents back with the kids. Documentation, essentially, issue. Now they're trying to basically gather all the kids together so they can know where they are, maybe find a way to get them back. This was a very deep and detailed story, and as we said, the biggest Facebook respondent story for the week it did not, for some reason, have enough extra juice to get past all the major uh, Twitter stories that were out there. It was high enough to be 14, high enough to be seen, but not quite high enough to be in the spotlight for the week. And the last story for this week is the 15. The headline is Governor California Governor Jerry Brown signs bill banning gun sales to people under 21, citing Parkland. NBC News was the source for this one. Uh, we got this as we posted it on Saturday the 29th. Here is the details, a few of them, from that story. Most people under 21 won't be able to buy guns in California starting next year under a law Governor Jerry Brown announced signing Friday. It will prevent people under 21 from buying rifles and other types of guns. State law already bans people under 21 from buying handguns. New law exempts law enforcement, members of the military, and people with hunting licenses from the restriction. It was one of dozens of bills Brown took action on. So this was a day, and this uh, actually goes into a bunch of different bills and goes deeper into the meaning behind this. Uh, one of the things that were touted on this was Parkland, um, uh, the Florida high school shooting that was earlier in the year where 17 people were killed. Um, and that, of course, had backlash across the, across the nation. 
Uh, but the governor of California literally putting his foot down and making this law essentially anyone under 21 no longer being able to buy a gun, period, exclamation point. That's all said and done. And with that, we're all done. Not quite said yet with the weekly wrap-up show from This Is a Conversation. A quick reminder, you can be a part of all things here by just following us on the social media you're already doing. Follow us on Facebook at This Is a Conversation and follow us on Twitter at TH underscore Conversation. Make sure we're signed up to be in your feed. Put us so that we're coming up in your profile. And when you see our stories come up, if you like them, like them. If you love them, love them. If you hate them, hate them. If you want to laugh, give it a giggle. If you want to share it, please do respond as you want to. And the more responses we get from each story, the higher it goes up into the polls for the week. And we get you the top 10 as per you, not per the mainstream media, not even per me. My only role in this is to pick the stories and kind of get in there. And I think at the best time possible for exposure, you actually give it the exposure that it needs by responding to that. Respond to us by replying thus to, to us via the social media hacks. Also, the website, this is the conversation.com and our email address is the conversation inbox at gmail.com. Find out more things about what I have going on at my main website, jclevelandpain.net. And, of course, subscribe to the podcast, share it with friends, family, and strangers so that we have more people in on the great conversations. And be here next week. We'll tell you what top ten stories you told us to talk about because that's what we're talking about on the weekly wrap-up show from thisisaconversation.com. <laughs>